Malcolm Honline is in Israel. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us Fridays at this time for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again from the holy city. Very sunny, beautiful Jerusalem today. Uh, that I am sure, and there's nothing like being in Yerushalayim, as we've discussed so many times. How ironic, after our conversation last week about whether these terrorists act independently uh, and how the, the world often excuses uh, them in terms, excuses the, the, uh, the larger, more organized terrorist organizations by claiming that these individuals act individually and alone, um, when we, of course, know that the rhetoric um, that, they are, that they grow up with, that they're used to, leads to things like what happened today. And now we're told that both a 6-year-old and a 20-year-old, according to the Jerusalem Post, have been killed in this ramming attack in Yerushalayim. Um, I said earlier that to a degree, we were lulled into a sense of security that these types of episodes were now going to be fewer and further between. And now, of course we are experiencing, or our brothers and sisters in Israel are experiencing this escalation. Your reaction to what just happened in the remote neighborhood of Yerushalayim? So it again underscores why Israel has to take the actions that it takes, why why the uh, life-saving maneuvers, whether in Janine or in other places, uh, are so significant. They They... Uh, busted an Israeli-Palestinian cell for selling 150,000 bullets, and the uh, and they sold them to Islamic Jihad terrorists near Janine. The um, the idea that they are lone wolves, as you know, is something that uh, is uh, promulgated many places. In fact, there is no such thing as a completely as a lone wolf. It is true that these, that many of these operatives, and I discussed this with top secure people over the last couple of days. It is true that many of them are not part of an organized group like Pidge or, or uh, Islamic Jihad uh, or the um, Hamas, but they are all influenced and they're influenced by the media. They're influenced by the preachers. They're influenced by others within the society who are organizing and urging and inciting. And so Nobody is truly a lone wolf operative, even if they're not part of an organized group. And of course, our brothers and sisters going into Shabbos now have another Lael Shabbos to uh, have all this weigh on their minds. And obviously the families that are directly affected, we can't even imagine the pain that they are going through. And I'm glad you mentioned the effectiveness and the necessity of these of these operations uh, in Janine and other places that are so necessary uh, because, frankly, uh, you know, the, the world reaction always is that Israel's being too strong, that Israel's uh, taking measures they don't need to take, so to speak. And it's amazing that when it comes to uh, the effort to try the, to quell these attacks and get to the source uh, of the attacks, uh, Israel comes under such scrutiny. Uh, I, I think the, the most important message, though, might be that even with all that criticism, and with all the uh, statements and observations by those around the world, I don't think there's a chance that Israeli intelligence, military, etc., is ever going to let up in the effort to make sure that they root out uh, these sources 
of these terror cells. So at, at least we at least we have that, Malcolm. Uh, we we know that that with all the uh, scrutiny that Israel is under, uh, they're never going to let up and never going to um, uh, ignore uh, those who are trying to destroy us. They cannot. This is an obligation. First responsibility of a state is to the security of its citizens. There were thousands of attacks promulgated or attempted over the last year, and the Palestinian Authority acknowledges that Fatah says many of them are, are their members. So you, the evidence is very clear, and the necessity for these actions, and regardless of whether everybody in the West likes them or not, that's not the criteria by which a responsible government has to act. And it would apply to every government, the American government too. I mean, they shot down the, a balloon uh, because it was a security issue and necessary to do regardless of what the consequences might have been with the, uh, the Chinese government's uh, anger at the, at the action. And here you have direct threats. You just cited two of the kind of attacks that take place, but there are constantly efforts and attacks that are, are um, being uh, explored. So the government of Israel, because they have on-the-ground intelligence, and it reminds us why it is so important for them to have access in the West Bank, in Yudon Shomron, in every area, to have access and to have uh, people on the ground. And uh, you see that the PA then punishes Israel, supposedly, by saying we're not going to cooperate with them on the security cooperation, when in fact they're the major beneficiary. Because it's that these guys want to attack the PA and bring it down as well, but the PA, of course, acts as if they are defending them and, and uh, extols them. Well, obviously, what happened this afternoon in Yerushalayim in Ramot, um, you know, has has changed the direction of uh, of this conversation. But let me go back to some of the other issues of the week. Uh, one of which you just brought up. Were, were you surprised at the lack of speed in terms of reaction to that Chinese balloon? I, I think there's a lot of assessment going on about why we let it cross across the whole United States, why we didn't take it down in Montana, where there are sparsely populated areas. Um, we'll have to see once we find out what really the information there is, that the c- c- gathering information c- capabilities there were, and that it was not just a, a weather balloon. Uh, and the fact that you have others going of these balloons going in other places and I think it's it's um, you know it's it, it reminds us of the of the challenges that exist. In a balloon, people may can make fun of it, but it could be used for multiple purposes. Balloons, as you know, in Israel were were very light ones, not so sophisticated, didn't carry the kind of payloads that these did. But Israel devised means with lasers with others to take them down because they could do real damage. They set fires. They carried weapons. They landed in the middle of kindergartens. And, and we have to take these things seriously. And, and we're constantly being probed and tested, not only by the Chinese, by the Russians, by others, by Iran. And we have to, America has to show the resolve. They have to at least know that they're going to be met with a formidable challenge if they endanger American security or that of our allies. If the United States is expected to show resolve and one suspects that in order to do that, you need some type of unity in Washington. I'm so curious. And that's why I put this on the list. I'm so curious your reaction to this. What did you think of the of the uh, of the conversation? <laughs> I'm trying not to use the word heckling, frankly. What did you think of the back and forth 
between the president and members of uh, of the United States Congress during the State of the Union address. I think if you go back, and you could tell me if I'm right or wrong, if you go back to most State of the Union addresses of the last 50 years, uh, what we saw this week we've practically never seen before. Well, there are usually, uh, there have been many times in the past when people have responded to things, but it's a real reflection of the partisanship of the tensions that exist between uh, the parties and how intense the political atmosphere is. Um, and and frankly, when presidents say things that aren't true, then people are going to react from this party, from other parties. Uh, but right now, it, it's it's escalated. And I wonder how more than how people around the world watching this yep. judge America. Many of them say it's becoming more like the House of Commons in Britain you know, where you have uh, such overt expressions by the opposition and by the government against the members of the opposition. Uh, and that is not the direction which I think Americans want to see their Congress go. But on the other hand, they, they understand that it's such a charged atmosphere that the, you know, things that were not thinkable in the past are happening. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. And I wonder if it's going to continue like this as time goes on. Malcolm Holmline with us from Jerusalem. All right, a couple of things happening in Israel that I need to clarify because I just don't understand it. So Smotrich resigns from the Knesset, yet he's still Minister of Finance, and at, at, at some point he could retake his position in the Knesset. Can you explain this to me, please? Yes, there's a Norwegian law, it's called, and that means that a member of Knesset who becomes a minister in order to free up that seat, can resign, retain the ministership, um, and then they bring the next person in line on the list of that party to take take his place. Because most ministers don't have time to sit in the Knesset, uh, or if they do, they they um, you know they have other uh, duties as well. So it's uh, it's he's not the first. He's uh, many people have done it. And it's becoming an increasingly recognized practice in the Israeli governments, both this one and previous ones. Who was who – how come I don't remember this? Who, who did this? Do you remember anybody who did this where it was a big deal? Or is this, is this the first – No, time? many, many. It's been done many times. Many members of Likud then – this way you get people lower on the list into positions because the ministers are already in the government and involved. So that you know they they don't need to hold both the positions, and it frees up um, uh, a slot for those who are lower on the list to be included. Brilliant! It's done all the time. Brilliant, I say. Arye Derry is still in charge of his former ministries, uh, uh, working behind the scenes, uh, or is that just a rumor? I mean, he's, you know, he's an influential player, no matter what, whether he's in an official government position or not. The ministries are to operate on their own, and he was barred from it. So I don't think he's going to be flagrant in the violation of that. Um, but I, I fully anticipate that he'll be back at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Running the ministries in abstentia. Um all right, uh, the story of the week, and it's it's interesting. If you go to some of the you know, news sites uh, and you search Middle East, the first 10 articles are about the earthquake, rightfully so, where the 
death toll is over 20,000 and the disaster, the, the, the scope of the disaster is unfathomable as we continue to witness the um, uh, destruction there through video, et cetera, Turkey, Syria, et cetera. Um, first of all, uh, I don't know if you felt it, but our reports from Israel is that up until today, people are still feeling what are being called earthquakes, not even uh, aftershocks, but actual earthquakes in the region. Uh, I mean, not to be too philosophical, but uh, it, it's pretty amazing, thank God, that Israel's in that region and they've been spared from any uh, tragedies vis a vis these earthquakes. So, historically, you know, people believe that earthquakes um, are referenced in some of the, in Tanakh, and that could account for some events in, in the world. But this is uh, Israel sits on a rift that is uh, somewhat unstable. And it's anticipated that at some point Israel will be hit by a, a thing. But there were people scaring them early, immediately after the Turkish-based uh, 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 quake that, you know, Israel would have it within a year. And everybody says there's nothing, nothing appears to be likely in the next 10 years. Right. And, you know, part of the key is to construct buildings in a way that they can withstand any kind of uh, earthquake or shock. Does Israel do that? that there were, it, they are supposed to put um, more emphasis on in the new buildings on uh, making them earthquake proof and more sound. Look, in Florida, we had the same thing, unfortunately, right. and Surfside and stuff. And now they're all retrofitting buildings right. to make them more um, able to withstand the challenges. But but uh, uh, there, there was an earthquake, and then there was a second earthquake right. at seven point four. The, the rest were a bunch of, of aftershocks. The, the second one, the second quake was felt down to Gaza because it, it was closer to the uh, rift. Wow. And, and then it, go, it follows that line down along the Mediterranean coast towards, um, towards Gaza. There's another rift that goes on the other side through the Jordan Valley. Uh, down to the to the uh, Red Sea. Right now, we'll we'll get to Israel's role in in Turkey, obviously, in a moment. Um, but but first, I got to start with this one. What did you think of the Syrian request that Israeli rescue teams come and help? It's not completely clear whether they actually requested. They denied it. They requested it. The Russians requested it on behalf of the Syrians. Uh, as you know, they went in with unmarked planes, not official Air Force planes. But it is, uh, you know, it is an important sign, and I hope they'll be safe there. I think the part of the reason not to declare it openly was because, you know, you have ISIS, you have other groups operating right. in Syria that could, uh, God forbid, take action. And it's such a chaotic but situation right now. Completely chaotic. Uh, human, human tragedies that are unfathomable, that people see the pictures more from Turkey, but right. also in Syria, the to death toll there is over 21,000 or 25,000. It keeps uh, going up steadily. Uh, fortunately, the Jewish community in the core area um, had moved out largely, although the two leaders, a husband and wife, were, uh, were killed. The house uh, collapsed, and the Israeli rescue team did find them and... and uh, brought their bodies out. Uh, so they, I've been in touch with the Jewish community in Turkey. They don't have uh, clear reports of, of uh, Jewish casualties. Uh, obviously, Jews live in, in major places and in Turkey. 
there's a community of about 15,000 still there. Wow. But I think that they largely escaped. They're not in the target main target areas. The uh, Israeli response, though, has been nothing short of so remarkable. And I think there were 40 cargo planes involved in transporting everything that Israel was sending. Not only did they send goods, but they sent the field hospital, which is operating with 200 doctors with, uh, you know, such a huge presence there. I think that other uh, countries are started to send them, but their ability to move with such alacrity and to be, you know, the first in the uh, on the scene and to be able to administer to so many people. Yesterday, they they saved uh, twelve people alone. Wow. Just the the Israeli groups um, saved twelve lives. I mean, that's really an amazing statement. And I hope that you know after this is over, people will remember it as well. Uh, there's been an amazing response from many countries. It's not just Israel. And this is something Jews are always uh, at the forefront when others are in danger. But I hope that they will think about it as well when uh, talking about Israel and, and their relationship with Israel. Oh, how I hope, uh, how I hope that, that, uh, that that hope comes true. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Homeline is in Jerusalem. For us, a Friday morning broadcast here at JM and AM. When they uh, found the um, uh, the uh, the body of the leader of the Jewish community in Turkey, as you just told us, when the Israeli rescue team uh, found his body, the quote was: I'm, "I'm I'm translating from the Hebrew quote that was posted on social media. There is no place in the world to which the Jewish people will not go in order to grant every Jew his or her final respect." What a beautiful statement, huh? Absolutely. And I think uh, it's what motivates. And, and, you know, you see the criticisms that they're so quick to level against Israel, let's say about the Ukraine, without even knowing how far Israel has gone and how much aid Israel has provided, how much assistance on an ongoing basis, humanitarian assistance, some defensive military assistance. And nor do they take into account all that Israel faces in making a decision like this that other countries don't. They don't have Russia on their on their border, northern border, and they don't have the circumstances. And yet Israel responds in every instance. And look at the Arab countries, look at all the rest of the states, countries in this region, hardly any of them have, have uh, shown the kind of response and generosity. And Israelis and Jews, by the way, on Turkey, uh, I got a letter from the, the ambassador in the United States of, of Turkey uh, extolling the tremendous response wow. and the generosity of the Jewish communities in, in the United States and around the world and how they have really been pouring out uh, aid. And not to say that others haven't, they are. Yeah. I think anybody who sees this can't but have their hearts torn apart by the tragedies that have taken place. No question about it. Uh, a couple of things on the further international front. Um, we, we're it's funny we're always skeptical when amnesty programs are announced in this country especially when it comes to taxes other things uh what about the amnesty program that we're reading about in iran is it a complete sham or are they really uh granting amnesty to those who've either been arrested or have been accused of uh of violations uh treason etc they have announced an amnesty we'll have to see whether it's fully implemented but it does not cover everybody arrested 
You know, they've arrested tens and tens of thousands of people. So if they announce 40,000 out of 70,000, that does not mean that they've given a total amnesty to people. Right. And we know that many remain in jail and many uh, face uh, still death sentences. I think the international outcry, uh, especially after the first executions, was such that they couldn't ignore it. It doesn't mean that, you know, they take that into account when, when they make a decision. Um Maybe, you know, saner voices were just telling them this doesn't look good abroad. You're, you're destroying your own image uh, because you see that they are just acting more and more aggressively, trying to secure uh, jets and, and fighter and, and equipment and uh, utilizing the relationship with uh, Russia to build a, a drone factory in Russia, from which they will make a lot of money um, and trying to upgrade their own capacities. You know, their military, their air force is very weak and very outdated. They um, that, that and, and I think in part that's why they resort to drones so much because their planes are basically useless. Um, but the the um, they, they, they tend there tends to be a correlation when it comes to Iran uh, that they they become more boisterous about foreign policy and foreign adventurism as the situation at home worsens. And and while the demonstrations may be somewhat lessened. This is not going away, and the movement that was created is not going to disappear. And so I think that the, the problems that they face are going to grow. Their currency is in free fall. The, if it weren't for the Russian, you know, the aid they get from Russia or from the selling Russian oil, et cetera, their conditions would be even worse. Yeah. So I think we have, um, you know, don't people shouldn't be lulled into some sort of false sense of security that all of a sudden they become humanitarian or whatever. The truth is that if, if anything, it just tells us that we have to put more pressure on them, that they can't, you know, that they will respond to it, that the lives that were lost are, are really a black stain on everybody, that if they didn't do everything possible, and I'm not saying that they're responsible for the deaths, but certainly we have to make every effort to um, to, to stop this regime and to, to and the practices they've engaged in. You know, we've criticized the media and, uh, you know, the world of celebrity for basically ignoring what's going on in Iran, especially with the movement, as you just described. Uh, the anthem of the Iran protest movement won a Grammy this week. So I'm wondering if Hollywood, I wonder if this is a coincidence or if Hollywood is starting to pay attention, which, of course, we know, whether we like it or not, is important that the world of celebrity call attention to these things. I wonder if uh, they're starting to pay more attention to what's happening in Iran. That could very well be, and you're absolutely right to point it out that it is a change that they uh, that they've acknowledged the movement and are at least taking that that recognition by giving the the award to the uh, song that they prepared for it. Right. Um, but still, you don't hear the kind of outcry, the kind of consistent voices being raised, even as we see Iran. Uh, taking on more and more decisive actions against the innocent civilians and uh, pre preventing people from exercising the right to speak out. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is nothing new for Iran, but, you know, we've seen Iranian warships now in Latin America. We see them fishing in troubled waters everywhere. Uh, this is their, their response to the pressures from inside and the, um, uh, you know, and to the attacks that have, uh, have taken place. Yeah, understood. By the way, there's an article. This I think I saw it in Hamodia, an article that uh, the the prime minister was considering sending 
the Iron Dome to the Ukraine. I thought I thought we had determined based on what you told us that that there would be no benefit to Ukraine to have that system because of the nature of the rockets and missiles that are being used in this war. Am I right about that or not? You're right, and there, but there, you know there are always rumors about it. But it, it's not a practical step. It's not because it's useless. Number one, the, the missiles that are being fired at, at Iran don't go in the trajectory that Iron Dome is, at uh, Ukraine are not uh, the ones that Iron Dome are meant to address. That's first. Second, they would take a year or so to train people, even though they, they've oh, gotten right. equipment in the last week. Right, that, that was the problem. Uh, helps. And, and Israel has to be concerned. You saw that yeah. the, the uh, foreign minister of Russia already came out saying that um, uh, that there should be a Palestinian state. Right. That's a message. You know, that's a retaliatory message from them. Understood. Yeah. Trying to warn Israel, be careful who you're supporting. Hey, can can we agree that the Shas party Kotel bill was a bad idea? Uh, I certainly would agree with you. I hope they agree. And uh, the <laughs> prime minister has said that it's not going anywhere. So I hope that uh, that message will be clear. You know, the divisiveness and the tensions are, are clear, especially the reactions abroad and an action like that. But you notice how everybody jumps to the conclusion that this is, in fact, the government position and that this is a reality that's going to happen. And don't even give them a chance to to prove whether that is, in fact, the case. And that's right. As we see, it is not. That's right. If it's if it's out there immediately, they put it uh, at the blame at the foot of the uh, prime minister's um of the prime minister in this case, hundred um, percent. There was a there was a study of the anti bias of the New York Times. Did you have a chance to see that? I don't have to see it because I see the New York Times. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse study. me. Of course, I meant anti Israel bias of the New York Times. I, 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 we all know that there's nobody who suspects them of being pro Israel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, and it's not just them. I just uh, spoke with some people who are experts in the media. And they told me that uh, like 80% of the stories come from AP. So they don't even have reporters, and often it's just stringers. So they're all using and feeding off the same trough. They may change the headlines a little bit, but the fact is that the stories are all coming from single sources, and they're not reliable sources. Uh, the New York Times as well. And the, the bias is so clear, not only against Israel, against Jews, and what we've seen in, in the last you know, months, the, the, the terrible stories that they've been publishing, uh, and it's it's the media overall, the, you know, the stories in Janine that not, I heard on CBS, on, on NPR, uh, nine killed in Janine, nine Palestinians killed in Janine without any context or mention that, in fact, they were terrorists. Yeah. And may, a, a single civilian was allegedly killed, they said, but we don't have any proof that that was, you know, we haven't had any conclusionatory proof. But it doesn't matter. They right away distort and misrepresent in each instance, what is what is happening? And and the you know you notice pay to slay hardly gets any mention. All of the other things that they're doing hardly gets any mention. That the people have so so distrust uh, their own government that the um, you know the can criticizing uh, Abbas for for not leading, and um, and we see that the growth of groups like Lions Den and others, which are really independent growth I- initiatives. Uh, are flourishing because of this frustration with the government. And then they turn to terrorism, they turn to other means 
to um, to, to express and, and to carry out attacks like we saw today. I got to read one paragraph to you from this article, and uh, believe me, the whole thing is outrageous. But th- this one just, I, I think it really is so simple how it hits home. 20 negative opinion articles were published against Israel from January 22 until the present, compared to 13 articles against Iran, where the nuclear project is thriving and massive human rights protests broke out in the past year. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other statistics, but that one just sums it all up, basically. And the the the, the truth about the stories about the, the the failure to respond to the IEA, the violations, the stuff, and yet we see that there's still those who are plotting and trying to get Iran back in good graces, and to to uh, say that talks should take place. We understand that there are you know private uh, initiatives in in this regard. And uh, the Qatari foreign minister, as I reported here uh, last week, about was in, in Iran and telling them that not only did he have messages from Europeans, but he claimed to have from Americans about how to create the conditions to renew negotiations. Although the administration says that it's done for now, that it's not uh, it's not going to happen. The fact is that there are still those who advocate and are willing to turn a block eye to the violations uh, of Iran. The Euro- Europeans right now are taking a harder line because they're becoming victimized. We saw, saw with Charlie Hebdo and all of the events of the, of the last weeks. So the New York Times doesn't report on all of those activities, but is constantly obsessed with Israel Haredim with the, in, in ways that are reminiscent of, uh, of uh, past eras. Yeah. It's interesting. We're so focused on what social media and news sites and uh, social media platforms are, are doing against Israel. It, it, it is amazing. I mean, I guess because they have a pretty good social media presence, it is amazing how the influence of the New York Times continues to really um, you know, be a barometer of uh, attitude toward Israel and all the other, you know, all the other situations you just described. Uh, it's, uh, it, they, you know, they had an unbelievable influence when they were in print, and it just seems to continue in this new era. But increasingly, people don't trust the media. Right. And, um, you know, you got to – people are skeptical, and they talk about fake news. They joke about it, but it's not a joking matter that people don't feel. And then they turn sometimes to extremist outlets and others, you know, for information that confirms what they believe. But they're not getting the kind of uh, Walter Cronkite information that – other generations grew up with. Yeah, I would even say they're not even getting what was a slightly better balanced CNN, uh, you know, news reporting of the early years of CNN. But whatever, that's, I guess, for a different time to analyze. Uh, those of you just tuning in, we did address the terror attack in Yerushalayim and Ramot. Malcolm's reaction uh, toward the beginning of our conversation, if you missed any of it, of course, is an archive at MalcolmSiegel.com and the NSN app. And our amazing uh, Avrami will get those up as soon as possible. You'll be able to hear that segment of our conversation two quick things malcolm to wrap up first of all i don't know if, i assume you saw this you saw the um, article about the soviet jury movement and some of the interesting partners uh that the that the leaders of the movement are being i don't want to say accused but are but it's being suggested they worked with to swell the numbers of uh of protesters especially in san francisco i, I assume you saw it if not let me know but <laughs> did you know what i'm referring no, to? i did i obviously a hundred thousand people sent it to me. But I did see it anyway. Um, as you know, that I was one of the first to organize 
um, efforts against the, the missionaries. Of, the well, yeah, of course. Everyone in this audience knows that. But and obviously your anti-missionary activities are well known. But still, movements do create interesting partnerships. I'm sure you could tell us about some interesting partnerships you had in that era and even in today's era. So, you know, I, I, I mean, as much as people might want to criticize, you know, those who from our community who line up with those who are completely on the other side of our of our issues, both politically and religiously. Still, would you agree that protest movements sometimes do form some interesting partnerships? Yes. And, and I but this is not an interesting partnership. This is uh, an act of desperation where you turn for to Jews, for Jesus or other groups to join them for demonstrations for Soviet Jewry, right. when we know that they were targeting uh, Soviet immigrants in the United States for conversion, uh, conversionary activities. Right. And that's one. Two, uh, I found it interesting that the FBI was surveilling the demonstrations, and I believe that it should, probably was a JDL or JDL-oriented uh, demonstration that they were picturing. Right. They also had pictures from establishment uh, events that had nothing to do with the story in San Francisco. Right. So again, you know, they, they love to have a story like this that, that can distort and misrepresent. Um, but I think overall the Soviet Jewry men acted with great restraint, great dignity uh, and assertiveness in the right ways. And you always have aberrations when you have such a national movement that uh, I guess it would be very hard to have, uh, have, have completely eliminated during those years. Oh, point well taken. Believe you me, point well taken. Uh, finally, Malcolm, even though obviously um, we're talking about a uh, a leader who had um, a different religious background than than you know that uh, than than people like myself. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna toss you into it, but you know, nonetheless, nonetheless, I feel it's so appropriate to pay tribute for a moment to Rabbi Mark Golub, because Rabbi Mark Golub had this vision of creating. A, a media source that would be accessible to Jews of the United States and others, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, all through the week. And that vision came true. And anybody who spends time um, uh, providing programming um, and information that can only benefit uh, both the Jewish community and, and the secular world, uh, I believe needs to be recognized. So I'm sure you join me in remembering him fondly for this incredible effort that he saw come to fruition. So I was friendly with him, very friendly, and <clears throat> appeared with him numerous times on his uh, station and on, this, on the broadcast. He was somebody who was fair, who truly loved the Jewish people of every kind in every way. He honored those who served the Jewish community. He, um, he brought Jewish knowledge to a lot of people who wouldn't have had it otherwise, and I I know I met people in many places who would stop me and say, oh, I saw you on, uh, on uh, the TV with uh, Rabbi Golub. And he was, uh, uh, it is a real loss. He's somebody who was a pioneer in a sense. But as you know, I tried to unite all the stations and tried right. to, to work to, to, to build this kind of capacity, which is so essential to the Jewish community. Because when he runs Sesame Street in Hebrew, when he runs other things, he's reaching a young generation. Yep. He's helping identify them with the Jewish community. And as you do every day as well. And I, and I think it's, it, you know, we should honor and pay tribute to those who, who make the effort, who I, I know it was uh, very demanding of him and his uh, family. 
And we extend to them our, our heartfelt condolences. And 100%. 100% well said and uh, well deserved. Uh, Malcolm, next week you are traveling. Is this one of those uh, I can't reveal where, or is this one of those I could share with the audience where I will be? Uh, I'll be in the region. <laughs> Middle East, you mean? Middle East region. And, and two weeks from today we should be able to reconvene? It depends on where I'm going to be. Oh, uh, this is this is becoming even more mysterious. <laughs> no, I'll be back in Israel that week for our annual right. presence conference. Conference, right? But it uh, ends Thursday, and I'm I may be traveling, so I, I will let you know well in advance. Much, I certainly want to be on, and hopefully we will be. Much appreciated. Have a Shabbat Shalom and enjoy Jerusalem. Shabbat shalom. Be well to everyone. And don't don't forget to tune into the Kosher Halftime Show from Israel. Uh, Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Fridays for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM.